0: to make things like this easier. I'm reading. And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing?
1: Have fun together. Did I do good, Daddy?
0: (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello, and welcome to Homeschool Together. Thank you so much for joining us. We are going to have some special links down in the show notes below, so make sure you check those out. Today, we had the opportunity to interview Mary Marinello from All About Reading. We yeah. we have been All About Reading families for, gosh, a couple of years, three three years now. Yeah. Um, and we've reviewed their curriculum a number of times on our podcast. We talk about it all the time. And we had the opportunity to talk to Mary from All About Reading. And it was really, really good.
1: Yeah, yeah. We, we really got into the science of teaching reading, of some of the struggles that parents might have right. in teaching reading and Kind of some ways we can, you know, different ways of reading together to get over some hurdles yeah. and things. I think this was really good. because Talked a
0: lot about the nuance of the curriculum as well.
1: Yeah, you know, different approaches to teaching reading and, you know, how the questions that kind of are burning questions as a as an AAR family about, like, how often am I supposed to go back and look yeah. at the cards? It was,
0: how, a, it was a lot of, like, early year questions. How like do we those. ensure mastery?
1: Yeah. Where do we go at the end of this program? Yeah, you know, exactly. what do we go to? How do we how do we fit spelling in with it and and handwriting and so this was really great it was a a great chance to dive into teaching kids to read yeah. and, and I think how to use the curriculum really effectively and i think
0: it's applicable to any family out there looking to for a curriculum for reading if they're they're thinking yeah. about one if they're if they're interested in one also if you're using another curriculum Maybe to think about different different ways to approach reading. Um, Mary had a bunch of great ta- um, ideas that were beyond just the All About Reading curriculum. So I think it has, you know, applications into you if you're mm-hmm. using a different curriculum or if you're using if you're thinking about using All About Reading. Um, we, we talk about. Pretty much everything, um, all aspects of it, and, yeah. and when to time things, and, and and tricks and and tips, and you hear our four-year-old in the background right now, maybe coming through playing with a Duplos. <laughs> so, um, before we get into the interview, we'll say real quick. So Mary was really, really thank uh, generous to give a, a a discount coupon code down in the show notes below, and it's going to be good for one week from the air of this podcast. So if you're listening to this this week and you're you're thinking about using All About Reading, or mm-hmm. if you If you want to get something, this would be a great time for you to go ahead and do that and check out that link below.
1: Yeah. As you know, they don't uh, often have sales. So this is a really great, uh, great coupon offer, uh, which we're really excited about. We were, we were like, great, we need to go buy the next level uh, (laughs) for ourselves. Um, So we are really uh, thankful to All About Reading and that that was very generous of them. So yeah, check that out below. And I think that you're really going to enjoy this terrific interview. So let's jump into it with Mary Marinello. Hi, Mary. Thanks so much for joining us today. Oh,
2: thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Oh, We are we're both excited. We are excited <laughs> to
2: get into
1: some reading and some spelling. So can you tell us about all about Learning Press and when did it start? How long has it been in business?
2: yeah so um it started about 17 years ago it was founded in 2006 and um, greg and marie ripple are the founders and they started in a cute little northwoods cabin up in eagle river wisconsin and pretty soon outgrew that so they moved into a large warehouse in town that they built Um, greg and marie both homeschooled their kids and um, their youngest uh, was diagnosed with dyslexia and that was so severe, they were told he's never going to read or write. And wow. um, Marie, of course, was like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she also tutored students for about 20 years. And so she just dug in and researched. And that led her to developing all of the materials that we have today. So,
0: I mean, uh, it, it, that, that's a great, that's an amazing story, because I know there's so many parents out there who are homeschooling and also have this dyslexia. Um, you know, it's kind of, and we know there's a lot of homeschoolers out there who, you know, they maybe have some learning issues or they're just starting off. Um, the biggest thing that they, they have to think about is standards. Um, you know, whether it's the state or, you know, national standards and whatnot, you know, does all about reading, uh, you know, gear towards certain standards like common core and things of that nature, or is it something different?
2: So um, it actually does align with uh, Common Core and actually exceeds a lot of the Common Core standards. But what's really exciting now is that um, the whole science of reading is really exploding and a lot of states are seeing the importance of following the science of reading, which is really, it's a, a body of research, a consensus of agreement of tens of thousands of studies that have been done over the last five decades that really show us how children learn to read. And so it's a very solid body of evidence that really informs what we should be doing as we teach our kids. And All About Reading completely aligns with the science of reading. So it's a very solid approach, both for kids with dyslexia and for just regular um, kids that don't have issues. What is
1: it about? I'd love to know more about this dyslexia issue because even at yeah. our, we go to a parent partnership and they use all about reading with yeah. dyslexic kids to help them. Uh, and so I'm wondering what is it about the, the Orton-Gillingham approach or is it about the way that the lessons are structured that helps uh, parents specifically who have dyslexic children?
2: Yeah, so the Orton-Gillingham approach is really powerful for teaching um, kids with dyslexia. So it involves multi-sensory methods, so you're using sight, sound, and touch with every lesson, and that really helps students to learn better because the learning is more memorable when they're involving all the senses, and they're interacting with materials in various ways and taking in the information through various senses, so it really helps to solidify learning for kids. Um, The Orton-Gillingham approach is also a very uh, logical, sequential approach, so it presents concepts in um, a logical sequence so that there's not gaps as they're learning the concepts. Um, There's ongoing review incorporated so that you can really individualize to the student's needs. So... One student may need to practice certain phonograms more often, or one student may need to practice blending certain words more frequently. And the customizable review really allows you to be able to do that. So All About Reading incorporates all of these kind of hallmarks of Orton-Gillingham into their approach so that it's all laid out for the teacher, for the parent that's open and go. Um, One of the really great things about All About Reading is that you don't have to go through a training session to learn how to implement the Orton-Gillingham approach. So uh, it's really it's scripted for you, and the lessons are all laid out. So it really makes it easy for the parent to be able to teach. So how does
1: how does Orton-Gillingham you know correspond to things we uh, we've heard about phonics or whole word approaches? Is it is it all of those things or part of those things um, kind of you know wrapped up?
2: Right. Yeah. So it's definitely a phonics based approach versus a whole word approach where you're trying to, you know, take a mental picture of a word and memorize it as a whole word. You're really looking at um, the speech sounds and how we read them. So English has about 44 different speech sounds, but it has more than 250 ways to spell those sounds. So it's challenging to learn. But what I love about Orton Gillingham is that it really takes the mystery out of it by teaching those incrementally so that kids learn. There are actually reliable patterns in English and that you can, you know, it's not just guesswork. You can really go through and learn how to read and spell according to these patterns.
0: Yeah, It takes almost like a scientific approach where you're just peeling off little layers and exposing almost like um, how we teach math, like here's addition and then here's subtraction and here's, oh, here's another place value. And then you just keep layering on more things right say though yeah. as parents
1: we've been very surprised at how darn difficult english is yeah I, yes. like <laughs> we
0: didn't realize because we speak it I, we write it I, I, we I read would def- it i would definitely leave a low review for them oh my
1: language. goodness it's really hard and i'm kind of wondering how we you know our daughter is at this place where she's now towards the end of aar2 yeah. right um okay. so she's at this place where she's still kind of sounding out words as she goes mm-hmm. but we're starting to introduce words that just like break all the rules. How how do we help get kids over that gap between, you know, the really easy letter sounds. It's kind of like, okay, that makes a lot of sense, but at some point things get kind of wonky and helping them to kind of make that leap past, you know, sounding out every letter.
2: Yeah. So that happens at all different times for kids. Some kids kind of take off early and some kids really need a lot of practice sounding out. And it's so good that you're still focusing on that sounding out because um, what you're really trying to do is help her brain learn how to map those sounds together automatically so that when she sees a word she can't help but just automatically decode it and read it Um, there's actually been uh, uh, mri scans that have proven that the adult brain when it reads really isn't just sight reading that it really is fast decoding And so that's your goal is to help her become an automatic decoder. And there's just no shortcut for making the brain do that. It's not a natural process. And so continuing to help her and allow her to sound out as much as she needs is really important. Um, and as you get into those more complex teams, um, one thing I really love about all about reading is the letter tiles. And so kids can see, you know, team phonograms like EE and EA and all these combinations of letters that we have that stand for sounds. And they can see them grouped together on a tile. Um, they can manipulate the the tiles. One of the things I used to do with some twins that I taught for a friend of mine, uh, they would take a word card and look at the card and then look at the tiles and they'd say the sounds as they were pulling down the tiles and building the word. And so giving them a way to interact with the tiles and really see how they're putting those sounds together, listening for the sounds, and then physically putting together the words with the tiles can really help kids start to assimilate those words and that ability to map those sounds together more automatically. But it really is challenging. I mean, you're you're doing hard work with your your child, and she's doing hard work, and um, well, right. just keep encouraging well, them. And yeah. you guys,
0: not not only just the fact that they're different tiles, you you color code them too. And and I right. think what really helps is because when you're layering out all these rules and all these rules that we have to learn about the English language, and oh, this letter is you know a hard C versus a soft C, and it's it only happens you know when it's next to these four letters, and and all these really strange rules, and when they start to see. <laughs> You know mm-hmm. the color coding they go oh this is okay this is a vowel i know there are all these different vowel sounds for this letter and, and based on my rules and just because they're color coded they can already start to associate you know quickly with the letter tiles and they can right. start to decode and, and and spell really well so right. so
1: i'm curious about you know a lot of parents think about math as being the thing that scares them they don't want to teach math because they weren't good in math in school and things but there's a whole other side of parents who feel really uncomfortable about teaching reading and when we talk about all these weird rules and 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 when you start to get into this i could see a parent getting starting to get into early teaching with ar1 or something and being like Oh man, there is a lot here. There's a lot to uncover. What do you say to parents who might have a little apprehension about teaching reading and how they should feel about kind of their own past about grammar and you know all that and trying to to convey that to their child?
2: Sure. Yeah, that's uh it can be really challenging for uh parents as they're going through you know, I homeschooled my kids all the way through and one of the things I found is that I often was learning right alongside with my kids. Um what I like about all about reading is that you don't have to learn it all at once. It's not like, you know, there is this big body of knowledge out there and you can feel that pressure. Like, I don't know all this, but you get to learn it one thing at a time and don't be afraid to camp out on a lesson. If you're having trouble remembering it, your child probably is too. So, (laughs) you know, feel free to just camp out and spend more days on a lesson. Uh, The lessons are really designed for parents to take them at the child's pace. So you can go as quickly or as slowly as you need to. So if something's review and easy, they catch on quickly, you know, move on ahead to the next lesson. And if they're struggling to remember something, or if you're struggling to remember something, you know, camp out there for a while and give it some more practice before you move on. Let, Let the child's brain really assimilate that knowledge.
1: So this is a mastery based approach, right? So you're you you want to make sure that everything is really solidified before. I know that there's mastery and spiral. Can you talk a little bit about the the differences there?
2: Sure. Yeah. So with a mastery based program, you do want to make sure that the child really understands the concepts before you move on. And that can be tricky sometimes because sometimes parents think, well, do they have to read all these words perfectly before they move on and so it can be kind of challenging to decide when should I move on and when should I not so I really like to look at a couple of things one does the student remember all of the new phonograms that were taught in that lesson and two can they sound the words out fairly easily where they're not really frustrated or crying or upset about doing it but you know they don't have to be doing it perfectly to move on because mm-hmm. fluency reading really does develop gradually over time so it's okay to move on if they're not quite fluent yet as long as they're not you know you can tell if they're overly frustrated and that you know it would just be too much to add on something else new on top of that frustration that they're already experiencing
0: so how, how, how does a parent manage so when they do that lesson and you're right you know i've we're we, we're a our family we we do this and you know when you when you stack a lot of words like okay here's another seven or eight words that we have to learn this week here's a new phonogram um and they kind of get it and then we go on to the you know the, the the story and we do the you know the short story that we have to read and then we come back in on the next lesson and there's some new concept that we're trying to learn um do you spend how much time do you spend going back and reviewing the the stuff you've already done like um going back to the previous lesson or the the lesson before that and and you know how do you do you spend time? Do you say, okay, this week we're not going to do another lesson. We're going to go back and review all of our cards, or we're going to reread a random story from the past. Do you, do you guys recommend doing kind of periodic reviews? Because there's no built-in assessment periods so throughout the curriculum. It's just kind of a rolling new concepts and new short stories and this kind of groundswell of of knowledge of reading. Do you recommend people to pause and go back and and... Yeah, definitely.
2: That's a great idea. So one of the tools that you have with the word cards, uh, the word cards really help you track. What does my student read automatically? What is my child still sounding out? So you Mm -hmm. keep those word cards in review and I like to shuffle them periodically so they're not all in order so that they're not just, you know, kind of guessing what the ending is or what the vowel sound is, but they're really mixed and they're getting mixed review that way. So use the use the word cards as that assessment tool. You know, how well is my child catching on? And if you, you know, those fluency practice pages where they're reading words and then they're reading in phrases and sentences and think through how easy or hard is that for my student. And if they're really struggling with it, say, well, I'm going to save this one and, you know, maybe review a few lines from this as we go on. Um, So you really assess based on your child's needs, what whether they need more review or they're ready to move on. And rereading stories is a great way to help to build up fluency, to help kids focus on reading with expression and all of those things that are really needed for good comprehension and good reading skills. So that's a great tool to use. And we often recommend rereading stories if a child isn't fluent on them yet.
0: And that's something that I've done. I've I've actually gone back in that, um, you know, whenever we finish, say, an entire, you know, lesson plan, you know, level two or level one um, in between there, we're doing maybe some other things before we start the next level. Um, I'll actually have her go back and essentially reread the the reader books because I think yeah. that's, for for her, you know, because there's some the children are all different and they like to learn different ways. Like, when when my when my daughter sees those pages that are just you know the blocks of all the words and all the different words um that's like the end of the world for her she she can't handle it oh, yeah. but she loves the fluency uh pages. So you know yeah, depending on what she what she enjoys. I I, sometimes with those, you know, the pages of full words. I we just had one. I don't know. We were doing ED and there was like two pages of those. And she was like, oh my God, dad. So I was just making her do blocks of them. I'm like, okay, just do the top block, do the next block, and then tomorrow we'll do another block here and everything. She she just she just sees all the letters and they're all the same and it just starts to, you know, mess with her. But she likes the the literacy uh reading you know um pages that you guys provide and stuff like that yeah. so it's very odd like what she keys in on and what she doesn't key in on and and what she likes and what she doesn't like but um we we do yeah. really enjoy taking we,
1: the readers when we're done with a level and we had this happen where we finished with the first level right before we went on a month long trip overseas and so we just took all the readers with us yeah. mm. instead of kind of going on and having to pack all that we just said like okay between levels let's just start from the beginning and one of the things we found was that her resistance was less because those early stories were so easy for her. But they're easy now. Yeah. Was, so she was like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm good. And then when she, by the time she got towards the end of the three books, it was by the end of our trip, it was starting to get much harder for her. But by that point, she was kind of mm-hmm. used to like, I can do this. And she had built that confidence before we got home and started the next level. Yeah, really I really long. love
2: that. It's so good to build up kids' confidence and to help them see, wow, this, you know, this first reader was hard for me before, but it's not now. It's easy and so that yeah. she can see her progress. That's really exciting. And so she, what...
0: she she definitely gravitates to that like if she sees that she oh, yeah. she she can actually see her progress. Once she starts seeing her yeah. progress, she starts to gain more confidence, but Absolutely. in the moment she can be very she's been very much a reluctant reader for the last year or two, but in the last I don't know Two or three or four months, it's really begin. It's begun to to emerge, and it, what's funny is it's keying in on something that I've we've seen on your Facebook groups, where parents will mm. say, "If you have a reluctant reader, don't worry. By the time you get to end of level two, that's when it like starts they'll, to they'll take start off. To, cl- to take off." And like, you know, as, as a parent who's never been through this before, we're like, "Yeah, sure, okay, <laughs> whatever." And then it's right true. here at the end of level two, and it's just started to just take off where she's picking up random books and she's starting to read. And it's really, it's really been an exciting That's thing. That's exciting. Yeah. What have
1: you seen with folks who have reluctant readers or reading challenges? What's the, you know, is that typical where kind of, Hey, yeah, uh, at the end of level two, kind of second, second grade, or well, I guess first grade-ish, yeah. you know, they kind of start to take off or what, what's been your experience talking with other families who are maybe struggling with learning to read?
2: Yeah, that that at the end of level 2 is a common place for kids to take off and but it really just does, does depend on the child and what their struggles are. Some kids it might not happen till the middle or end of level 3. Mm-hmm. Some kids work hard all the way through, you know, so it really does just depend on the child and their their ability, their comfort level and just what's going on in the brain so it can happen at all different times but that is a common time that i hear about fairly often that um when kids do start to take off
1: so we've heard this this kind of thing as homeschool parents right because we we set our own schedules and we Mm -hmm. set our own levels of expectations for our kids about what we want them to achieve and by when and there's this whole are they ready? I'm I'm using air quotes for the people on see. <laughs> um, And so sometimes we'll, you know, you'll start something and Hey, like, okay, Hey, we're in kindergarten. Let's go ahead and start AAR one. And then you're having some struggles with your reader and you'll get a lot of advice from other parents saying, well, maybe they're just not ready. They're just not ready. Just wait till they're ready. When they're ready, they're going to pick it up. Don't worry. What's that balance between our kids being quote unquote ready and us kind of pushing through some Resistance, Things that aren't yeah. just not everything comes easily. Right. And we do need to teach our kids that that resilience and it's OK to try hard for something. And, you know, they build their confidence and kind of how do we balance that between like pushing them too hard or not pushing them hard enough? I'm sure you get this question a lot from parents like, is my kid really ready? I don't know. It's been really hard. What advice would you give to parents who are struggling with, you know, making that decision?
2: Yeah, well, and it is hard when they're, especially in that kindergarten age, and we have all this societal pressure, like, well, you have to start reading now. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things, we have a a reading readiness article on our website, and that really goes through the five main skills that kids need uh, to have learned before they're ready to start a reading program. So it goes through things like print awareness, phonological awareness, um, letter knowledge, motivation to read, and listening comprehension. And it has examples of what those skills should look like. And there's actually a checklist that you can use to see, you know, does my child have all these skills? Are they missing any? You know, and if they're missing just a couple, there might be a small gap that you can fill in to help them be ready for level one. Um, And if they're missing a lot of skills, then we have a pre-reading program that really helps you incrementally develop those skills in your student to help them prepare for level one. So there are yeah. tools out there, you know, that really help you assess, you know, so it's not just mm-hmm. your feeling, your child's age or some guesswork to try to decide if they're ready, but you can really so, actually, you
0: know, assess
2: that. It, so
0: if, it does feel like you're reading the tea leaves. That yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So
1: so if you're getting a lot of resistance then and your child's really, then you you basically have, I'm not going to use the word failed, but you haven't met one of those pre-reading qualifications, which is that motivation to read. So maybe you are you need to wait a little longer for that motivation part of it. Because I think that's where we were with our daughter. She yeah. said she wanted to read, but I don't think she really knew what that <laughs> kind of meant. But she had all the other skills. And so we we went forward and maybe we went forward a little bit.
0: Yeah, we, we started level hard. one. Uh, I think we've, we've assessed between the two of us that we, th- that we think we started level one, maybe just a tad early. And there was a little bit of struggle there for the first quarter of the curriculum. And then I think she she kind of hit some like natural maturity that mm. came through. And then all yeah. of a sudden it started to pick up. And I think we were then quote unquote running at, at a decent pace. And then at the end, it felt really like, oh man, she's really getting this. She's doing well. But I think of that first part, I think maybe we started just like maybe three or four months too early for yeah. her, just developmentally. Um, so if there's parents out there who are, you know, looking for a curriculum, let's talk a little bit about curriculum. Um, if they're looking for reading curriculum, obviously we're a big proponents for AAR. Um, But what makes a good reading curriculum? Like if they're looking for one out there, what should they, what type of things should they be looking for?
2: Yeah, there's really a lot that goes into a good reading program. Um, I think it should first, it needs to be easy for the parent to teach because if it's too complex, it doesn't matter how great the program is. You're just not going to be able to use it. And you want it to be easy to teach, even if you don't have a background in teaching reading so that's something that i definitely look for it should cover all the important areas so it should have phonological awareness skills phonics and decoding reading fluency vocabulary comprehension you want to make sure it's hitting all of those skills and you want the instruction to be thorough and incremental so that there's not gaps in between concepts and so that you can really customize it to your child's pace some kids are we've had kids go through all four levels in a year, which kind of blows my mind. Wow. <laughs> and then we've had kids t- spend two years on level one. So kids are all different and you want to be able, you know, with any program that you use, can you customize it to their needs? Or is it laid out in a way that, you know, you have to accomplish so much every day. Um, you want to have a way to customize the review and practice for your child and really have enough reading practice woven into whatever you're using because when they're first learning this it's really difficult i think to work in enough practice so you want something that gives you lots of options for the practice that you might need um, and then it should be child friendly should be appealing mm-hmm. to kids you know if they don't like the look of the materials you know it's probably not going to work for them so mm-hmm. you really want it to be child friendly um, we actually have a checklist that you can download from our website and it's called how to evaluate a reading program. And so that's right on our free resources page Mm -hmm. and parents can use that to kind of go through and evaluate different programs that they're looking at.
0: And I'll make sure to put those links in the, in the show notes below for those those listening.
1: So you talked about the parents that, you know, some of them take two years to do a level and some, you know, cram it all in. Very quickly, that's crazy to do four <laughs> levels in a year. Um, on average, what, how fast do folks move through each level? Is it really just each year, or we kind, we're kind of always wondering, like, man, are we going too slow with this, or is there such a thing as too slow? Or maybe we're just putting, um, we're, some
0: sort of, yeah, you know, artificial boundaries on it. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. You know, Anna Gillingham used to say, "Go as fast as you can, but as slow as you must," mm-hmm. and. You know, I know that sounds a little, um, you know, it's not maybe as tangible as people would like, but it really is true. You really want to go fast enough so that the child is learning new concepts and gaining in their skills, not getting bored along the way. But if they're struggling, you're going to need to go slower. And so you have to go as slow as they need. And that might mean incorporating lots of review. And I love what you're doing with your daughter because you're really following her cues and you're mm-hmm. taking a breather between levels and rereading stories and letting her gain confidence. And that's just really great for kids. Um, I really like to look at, you know, how is the child doing with the whole process? Are they just overwhelmed and frustrated or, you know, are they able to work through when they hit those spots of frustration? and come out the other side and see wow I was I was able to do that I didn't think I was going to but you know I I was able to accomplish that so I would say that you know on average people finish levels usually in around a school year some kids obviously are going to go faster and some are going to need more time so what's interesting with all about reading is that sometimes that first level will take a lot longer and then as kids progress through the levels they might be able to go faster because you know their brains are really starting to catch on, and so they learn the new concepts faster as they go on.
0: And that's what um, we—that's what we've seen. Yeah, very. Yeah, experience. that's that was our experience. As a second level of AAR has been a lot, lot quicker. Um, we're moving at a better cadence, and and we're—I'm starting to see things that she enjoys doing. Sometimes, um, we don't like to do as much side by side work, so she likes to read the stories on her own, and then I quiz her about that. So I—I I found things that. That work better for her in order to move her further down, down the field.
1: So, so speaking about stories, I want to just kind of take a moment on that. When you have a a reader who's, who's going to be wanting to cycle back and, Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're stuck on something and we're going to have to read that those same stories or, you know, they're not progressing as fast. Well, one of the problems we had kind of early on was that our daughter could only read a certain block of the work. And she just was like, if I have to read bam again, I'm going to (laughs) scream, So you know, she just read something. She's like, yeah, I know. I know. Do you have other, are there other books and things that you recommend that would be kind of at similar level that we could use for additional practice beyond the readers that are included with the curriculum?
2: Um, Yeah, so we actually have uh, on our Facebook group, there's a link to uh, a list of additional readers or people can email us and we can send a list of additional readers that others have used. And, you know, you may occasionally run across a new word that you would need to help your child with, um, but they have been pretty useful for other parents that are wanting to incorporate more readers in. So that's one option. We also have a lot of games and activities and some free downloads that you can use with the word cards and the fluency pages and sometimes focusing on those and maybe an activity that your child likes can be another way to work in that extra reading practice. So another idea that you can use that can sometimes work for rereading a story is you know so let's say they read it with you know dad first so well why don't you read that story to mom later today mm-hmm. you know or where let's read that story to the family pet or to a sibling tomorrow, or, you know, maybe we can do a a, a chat with grandma and, you know, read the story to grandma and grandpa. Um, mm-hmm. So sometimes you can work in extra readings that way, so that it doesn't just feel like I'm rereading it, you know, over and over for <laughs> no purpose, but that they can see, you know, get some motivation. Sometimes that outside audience is a good motivation.
0: Yeah, the performance aspect, I think. We we've done some of that where I say oh do it in an <laughs> accent or something like that yeah you, you know, kind of like <laughs> the acting element is, is a lot of fun now with, with respect to um the levels of the ver- of the curriculum do they you know there might be parents out here who are maybe just homeschooling for this year or they're considering maybe having their child go to a new school in in another year or two and they're they're having to think about curriculum and grade level and everything. Does the do the levels associate very clearly with what the expectations are with a grade like level one is you know first grade or kindergarten or whatnot is is that maybe just helping parents maybe help them make decisions do can they think of it in those terms?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. The levels really don't relate to grade levels at all. So a lot of our grade level systems are set up based on word frequency and whole language methods and. It's really an apples and oranges kind of comparison when you're looking at decodable phonics-based reading. There is some overlap, but yeah, they really don't relate to grade levels at all. So for example, a child completing level one is going to be able to read you know, a lot of first grade level words, but they can also read a number of second to fourth grade level words. Mm-hmm but because they're not reading all first grade level words they might not test as reading at a first grade level and so that kind of testing that schools sometimes do just really doesn't show what the student has learned or how far they've progressed and what they really can do it just shows oh they didn't meet this benchmark Mm -hmm. um so you know if you're using it either as an after-schooler or um you know with the plan of going into public school you really have to know that you're going to have to set aside kind of that grade level mindset and just see how far you can progress. Um, and If you're after schooling, you might have to ignore reading grades for a while while you work on getting your child's reading to where it needs to be. So by the end of level four, though, they've learned high school level word attack skills and they're able to sound out every any kind of word. So now that doesn't mean they can read at high school level because they might not have the vocabulary yet and they might not know the words, but they have the skills to be able to sound out any word. So they really end up ahead and that switch um, with grade levels kind of tends to happen around level three somewhere where the, they'll start testing either at or ahead of grade level um, if they're in elementary school. But, um, you know, yeah, those first two levels, they aren't going to line up with grade levels at all. So where do,
1: where do we go after level four? I know everyone asks, this. like, it's very easy when you're in the shoot and you're in the program, you're like, all right, I just go to the next level. But after level four, like what are, what is it, what are we anticipated to, to do? Do we, is it, is it then just time for lots of, lots of reading or is it time to be kind of transitioning to something else?
2: Yeah. So at the end of level four, kids have really completed that learn how to read phase Mm -hmm. and they are ready to read to learn. And so they really are ready to move on to anything. So we do recommend lots of reading. We recommend, you know, have them read for at least 30 minutes a day and you can do interest led reading or you can do a literature based program. Uh, You really have a lot of freedom in what to do next. So and we actually have an article on that on our, our blog, too. You know, what comes after all about reading? And we've got several literature program suggestions on there. And Marie also has um, she's done chapter book reviews for over 200 chapter books. Um, wow. One thing that can really work out well is to get kids hooked on a series, you know. So if you get them hooked on a series of books, that will encourage them to want to read through the whole series so they're excited to read and it just gets them reading more so that's always a good a good thing to do when you move on
0: um so with the all about reading you guys also have all about spelling so how so, so as a family we we um we're on level two we have the level one uh spelling curriculum how do they align should parents do them together or do you do them you know one after the other you know how and do the levels align as well? Level one spelling, level one uh, reading, do they align there? So, how do how do they approach the spelling aspect of the curriculum that you guys provide?
2: Yeah, so for most kids, we recommend waiting to start spelling until after they've completed all about reading level one. Mm-hmm. So, and there are several reasons for that. One reason is that you know a lot of Kindergarten, first graders that are starting out with uh, reading really aren't ready for a lot of writing yet, and they might not be ready to think through the logic of spelling rules yet. And so it can just help to separate those skills and let them progress at each in each skill at their own pace. Uh-huh. Um, level one of All About Reading covers some more phonological awareness skills and it covers the sounds more incrementally. And so there's several concepts that that covers more briefly that All About Spelling One just kind of assumes is a base of knowledge that the child has. So that's another reason that it's often easier to just wait till after All About Reading One before you start spelling.
1: So, is spelling meant to be done, you know, each level in about uh, a year, uh, a school year? So then, when you finish AAR four, you're still kind of going with levels five and six of spelling, or is it is it meant to go faster or slower?
2: Yeah, most most families do spend about a year per level. Uh, the first level of all about spelling can go faster especially if you have an older student or if you have a student that really catches on to spelling short vowel words pretty easily that first half at least of all about spelling one will go pretty quickly and then they might slow down a little as they get near the end of that level and they're learning some more rules and concepts like when to use c or k for the <laughs> sound mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so but on average about a, a level per year is that's pretty common
0: okay yeah and that, and that makes sense they're about I think they're half half the length wise, lesson wise, I think they're at least the the first lesson a uh, level of spelling was about 26 le- lessons and I think the Yeah, the lessons... like 50 or something like that.
2: Right. Yeah. And so if you think about like with reading you've got a concept lesson and then you have a story lesson. And whereas with spelling, you know, you're you're just getting those new concepts, but it might take longer because they're having to write and they're having to think, you know, how do I I hear this sound, how do I represent this sound on paper? And especially as you progress in spelling, spelling really is more difficult than reading. So it can take more time to assimilate those concepts. You might need to spend more time on a lesson in spelling than you would on a lesson in reading. So even though there's fewer lessons, it does still tend to take about a school year or so.
1: Does it have the, the spelling test? That was we, got, <laughs> we went into school, right? You'd always come in like every Friday, whatever Friday. The yeah, there's the spelling test.
2: Is there? Is there? Is there t- spelling yeah, test? There's well, there are not scheduled spelling tests. I think in that's all a about feature spelling, not about. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I know some people actually use the word list like it's a spelling no. test. We think that the best use of a spelling test is really for assessing what does my child know and what does my child still need to work on. Mm-hmm. It's it's not really helpful to give a list on Monday, test them on Friday, and then move on as if they'll never forget that. (laughs) Because kids do forget things, and they do need more practice and review on concepts sometimes. So that's another reason why we include word cards with the spelling program, so that you have a way of tracking, well, does my child really spell this word automatically, or is it one that we might need to practice some more?
0: And, and, you know, with spelling, it's almost like math. There's it's correct or not, right? Like you'd spelled it right or not. And do you, if your child is say, you know, getting 90% of the spelling correct, and maybe they got every word wrong, but they're really, really close. Is that a cue that you got to do it again, or we got to practice this again? Or is that, do you move on sort of like the reading curriculum where they may not have gotten, they got 90% of it, but you know, they've, they've done pretty good. We can move on to the next lesson. Is spelling a little bit more rigorous in the correctness? aspect? is. It, do, I, I would say, recommend?
2: yes, I would say yes. So you really want them to be spelling at least eight of the 10 word cards correctly and to really have a good handle where you can see that they feel confident about the new concepts that were presented in that lesson. So, you know, if it seems like they're kind of guessing and self-correcting a lot and you're not really seeing that confidence, that Information probably isn't in their memory real well yet, Mm -hmm. so you do want to spend more time so that they can be confident and sure of themselves before you move on. So, if there's a word or two that they still need to practice, you can just tuck that in your daily review tab in your word card box uh, or in your review box, and you know keep bringing that up to practice. What
0: would you recommend? And and I don't answer ask that question. You know, for the people ask it for myself because I'm about to start doing the spelling lessons for her. So I wanted to know. So I wonder
2: when yeah.
1: our kids start writing, our daughter's recently acquired pen pals. So there's writing that's now oh, started. Fun. And so when when she's doing writing or she's got a writing prompt or something, and we look at the spelling, how do we is that something where we should kind of, di- at this point, we've kind of divorced the two, like, hey, you're writing over here and yeah, the spelling is not great. Um, we've kind of divorced that from actually learning Perfect. spelling. Yeah. Yeah. I-, I wasn't sure how much we should be going in there and saying like, hey, let's, let's, maybe let's take all the words that you didn't spell right in your writing prompt and let's like learn how to spell them. Or is that just discouraging to them? We should just kind of stick with like taking them in two different tracks.
2: Yeah, I think there's not too many things that shut down a beginning writer more than finding out that every time they write for fun or write for an outside assignment that they're going to get graded on spelling and create more work for them. And so I think you're really smart to just divide those two topics and know we're getting to spelling. We're working on this through All About Spelling. We're going to get to these words. It's okay if they haven't been introduced to them yet. And just... You know, praise her concepts, look at her imagination, look at the information she includes. And, you know, if the subject is history or science, focus on the history and science concepts and know that the spelling is going to come along later and don't worry about that for now.
0: That makes sense. So, specifically, Ariel said it handwriting. I know there's a lot of parents out there who believe that, you know, handwriting. My, my mother wants her to write in, you know, elaborate cursive. And I'm like, I want to teach her a keyboard. So, like, there's, <laughs> there's like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of tension yeah, out there. I'm um somewhere in the middle. And Ariel's, like Ariel's, Ariel's the one bridging. She's in the center, right? Uh, the two extremes. Here sure I'm with the
1: Denelian. like, yeah. let's do a little bit of both. Let's do a little bit of both.
0: <laughs> and uh, so, how did they do handwriting? There's not, There's obviously not any handwriting in the All About Reading curriculum. So as far as I've gone, um, spelling curriculum, I I remember they were using some, uh, we did the first few lessons, it was using the word tiles to to spell things. When does handwriting come in or do you guys recommend going off and finding a handwriting curriculum that you guys like or whatever?
2: Yeah, so we don't incorporate handwriting instruction um, as far as writing words. That'll start, uh, I think it's lesson six or seven where they start writing From the word cards and eventually they'll write dictation phrases and dictation sentences and then later on in the program they actually write. um, Complete sentences from prompts that you give them in a writing station activity, so the writing progression does develop gradually throughout all about spelling but as far as handwriting you're really free to use anything that you want so you can use print you can use cursive you can use (laughs) Danilian. you you really have the freedom there to use whatever you want but you'll want to instruct in handwriting through a separate program
0: okay that's good to know now we also have a lot of young uh parents that are kind of preschooler we kind of skew because our kids are are young we skew younger in our audience um before you start all about reading level one is there something that a curriculum that you can get going with like a preschooler like the one that we have right right yeah we
1: we have we have the
0: pre-reading pre reading yeah the pre-reading okay so
1: what is that can you talk a bit about the pre-reading we talked about kind of like level one is going to start and you know the kinder-ish time when they're when they've met those like five criteria Mm -hmm. when do you start the um, pre-reading program
2: pre-reading is really designed for four and five-year-olds um sometimes you You know, if you have a child that's really interested in learning letters and sounds, you could start it earlier. Uh, Some of the language exploration activities in pre-reading can be more challenging for younger kids because it focuses on phonological awareness skills like rhyming and listening to beginning or ending sounds in a word. And so some of those can be more challenging for little kids. but usually uh, age four or age five and just kind of depending on the child's interest level and, you know, are they doing things like uh, playing simple games like Hi Ho Cheerio or, uh, you know, Candyland? Are they playing some basic games and um, are they showing an interest in learning letters, things like that?
0: Well, and our and our youngest is four, and she's she's really excited about it. She lo- she likes it. We're like, I think three or four lessons in. She but just loves having her just own going, reading curriculum. Yeah, we're just going. Yeah, very, has yeah and she does, but she calls it math. She goes, "Daddy, can we do math?" And I'm like, "Yeah, let's work. It's called reading, but like, yes, we'll work on it." Yes, <laughs> that's so we can, cute. We can do that. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been really good, and and I think she's been enjoying it. We've been just doing it kind of like you know, at as needed and, and no pressure and all that type of stuff. So it's been, it's been fun so far.
1: So we're meant to, Great. you know, if we start with pre-reading, so we didn't do pre-reading with our, our uh, older daughter. Um, so we're just kind of doing it for the first time with our younger. So when we finish that, if they finish that with what we're going to call mastery from of the topics that are taught, are they then ready right away to go into level one? Or do we still need to kind of do that assessment to say, do we still meet those five criteria you talked about earlier?
2: Yeah. So if you go through pre-reading and you don't notice any issues along the way, and she really seems to be catching on to all those concepts well, then she likely will be ready to move into all about reading one right away. Okay. So if you notice some struggles along the way, you probably would want to you know hit those topics again before moving on.
1: So how how much time per day should we be thinking about spending? I'm guessing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. That is when we start at pre reading, it's much less, and then by the time we get to level four, you know, it's maybe much more time. So maybe maybe we shouldn't talk about per day, but per week. How much time do you would you expect we should be spending? um, You know, focusing on reading.
2: Kids in pre reading probably spend maybe ten to twenty minutes, you know, at the most, and that really depends on how much time they want to put into like the craft page and some, you know, it can go pretty quickly if they, you know, some kids aren't as into doing the craft page as others. So Mm -hmm. that can really make the time vary for pre-reading, but yeah, usually 10 minutes, maybe up to 20 minutes, depending on their interest level there is about all you'd spend in pre-reading. For levels one through four, we recommend just focusing on 20 minutes a day. And so it doesn't have to be longer by the time they get to level four, because Mm -hmm. by that time they're reading faster and you know, they can still, they can get through a lot more material uh, in that 20 minutes. And we recommend that because we find that short daily lessons tend to produce just better long-term retention. And if you let the lessons go a lot longer, their attention starts to wane, and then they're going to have gaps in what they remember, and then you're going to have to go back and reteach things more. (laughs) So really focus on kind of those short daily lessons and good attention spans. So I, you know, when I taught my kids, uh, my oldest did great with 20 minutes. My youngest, you know, her attention span just wasn't that long. And so I found 15 minutes was her limit. Mm -hmm. And so we did 15 minute lessons and it just took a little longer to get through things. So you really have that freedom to divide up the lessons over as many days as you need. And so take that freedom and, you know, really tailor it to what your child needs.
1: It was really good to say because a lot of us see a lesson, mm-hmm. there's like 52 lessons. We're still like, like okay, we're going to sit down. We're going to do this every whole week, yeah. lesson, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> but really you're talking about breaking it into pieces. Do you have, do you have recommended ways to break that up across the week? Like, do you, you first, you teach the concept and that's kind of day one. And then day two, we do this practice in day three, or is it, or do you recommend doing a little bit of reading every day in addition to concept teaching? How, how do you break up? each lesson?
2: Yeah. So um, each day I would start with a few minutes of review of review, and just go through those review cards and do that whether you're teaching reading or spelling. And um, so start with a review and then just go into the lesson and pick up wherever you left off previously. So you can, um, you can break it up differently if you want to do, you know, maybe an activity and part of a fluency page. And, you know, some people like to spread those fluency pages out over more days um, so that it's not all in one block and to make that more enjoyable. So you do have that freedom to break things up differently. Some kids might have trouble with reading in the readers. And so you might say, well, we're going to do a page of the reader each day and then, you know, work on some of the other activities from the lesson. So you can break it up different ways, or you can just simply go through the lesson in order and see how far you get in your 20 minutes.
0: Yeah, and that's something that actually the curriculum actually kind of has sections and segments and whatnot. I noticed early on with respect to the readers that um, sometimes my, my reader didn't have the stamina to go all the way through the reader, and that we, the short story, even, you know, a couple pages, especially early on, yeah. Um, breaking that up into two or three pages here and there and then coming back to it and rereading. Um, Do you guys recommend a method of reading the the short stories? I, I know that was a big sticking point for me and my daughter. We had a really I felt like we were really working with the clay on that one and mm. um, trying to figure out how do we approach these short stories? Do we read them once? I started getting into a cadence of reading. We would read together and then she would read the reader and we would do essentially we would read it three times in a single sitting and that helped her with her confidence over time. Do you guys have techniques and whatnot in approaching the short stories? Because I think learning the the phoneme and the, and the word cards and playing with the tiles is great, but really where the rubber hits the road is, is those short stories. And yeah. sometimes those can be difficult and whatnot. Do you guys have some techniques or methods on approaching those short stories?
2: Yeah. So there's several strategies you can use. So one is just to do buddy reading where maybe your child reads a paragraph or a page or if they're in an early reader, maybe a sentence, and then you read one. Um, mm-hmm. if you've you know if you have a favorite puppet or stuffed animal, maybe the puppet from pre-reading, the Ziggy puppet, mm-hmm. you know, the puppet can be the reader too. And so right. sometimes kids really like that, especially little ones, you know, to be able to alternate reading with their reading buddy. When I taught twins for my friend, they each had a reading buddy. So one used Ziggy and one used a stuffed cat. And so I would take turns with them on the fluency pages or on the readers. And then about halfway through the program, they started grabbing the toy from me and they're like, I want to read for my buddy today. So they were actually reading the whole thing, but they were still <laughs> alternating <laughs> with their buddy. <laughs> so, um, so that can be a really great strategy to uh, encourage reading. Another thing you can do, let's say that reader is really overwhelming and they can only read a page or two in a day. So let them read a page or two and then end your lesson or move on to a different activity, whatever they need. And then the next day you reread whatever they read previously. So you restart the story for them and then you stop wherever they left off and then Mm -hmm. let them continue on from that point. So that helps them get back into the story and, you know, the action, what was happening, Mm -hmm. but it also helps them, To hear you read with inflection and to hear you read you know the story uh, maybe some difficult words some kids follow along while you read and so they can pick up a lot from hearing you read it too so i like what you did with the you know well let's read it together and then you read it and Mm -hmm. taking turns like that and dividing it up that way another thing that you can do is called echo reading Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so with echo reading you might read you know, a sentence in an early reader or maybe up to a paragraph, and you're just modeling good expression, and then have your child reread that same sentence or paragraph and try to incorporate good expression as they read. Mm -hmm. And so focusing on expression in small little chunks like that through echo reading can be a really great strategy for helping to develop that fluency too. Mm, yeah. And, and
0: we, we tried a lot of those methods that and I was really trying to find like which one is the one that's finally gonna work. And yeah, yeah, if, if only I would have known a year later that it was Pete the Cat, like Pete, uh, <laughs> Pete the Cat <laughs> book. Everyone has their that the thing.
1: Gate, the, 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 gateway the gateway book. Yeah, like, yeah, And that was it for
0: us. That was it for us.
1: So on the on the cards, one one other question we had is you know, for for the mastery cards, how often do you go back? You know, if your your kids like okay, we, we felt like, you know, they learned this well enough and that was four weeks ago. How often do you kind of bring those back out of the box and look at those again? What, what's your recommendation?
2: Yeah. So if you, you know, if they have mastered the card and um you've decided to put it behind the mastered tab, I like to review those at least one or two more times before completing a level just to do that double check to see, well, did they really, you know, is that word still mastered? Do they still know that word? Um, so, but, you know, if you have a struggling learner, you might do that more often. You might do that, you know, once a month or something. Mm -hmm. Um, I had struggling spellers, especially my oldest. And so, um, I did a spaced repetition technique with the cards. So Mm -hmm. once he mastered a spelling word and he had gotten it correct several times, I moved it to where we reviewed it twice a week. Hmm. And so I might check again half a week later, you know, or I might check after a weekend off. Is that still mastered after a weekend off? You know, Hmm. and then if he still knew it then, then I put it into like once a week and eventually to once a month just to check those a few more times to make sure that it was really staying mastered. So for him, that was really helpful. And it sounds like a lot of extra review, like how do you work all that in? But I really just did it in that beginning, you know, three to five minutes of review for spelling And um, and then went on in our lessons and it really helped to solidify and to make sure that that really was mastered. You know, for reading, I probably wouldn't review that often. I'd probably do it like once a month or something, unless I had a child that really seemed to forget things easily. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes you'll see that with the phonogram cards where, you know, a child will remember it for a while and then forget it for a while. And so you could review those you know, once a week if you needed to, or you could spread that out to a longer, you know, space in between if it seemed like they were learning them. So you really have that freedom, I think, to just adjust to what your child needs and what what really helps them.
1: So do you recommend that we make new tabs then to go into the box that? You if know, you, had, to a yeah, if a you mo- had a struggling, one month, two student, weeks or yeah. If you had a struggling <laughs> student, yeah. If you had a
2: struggling student, I would. I actually, I made extra tabs for my struggling spellers because. It just felt like they needed that extra review and it made it easy for me to then see what I wanted to practice. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. do that for a child that was, you know, learning at a normal progression and catching on, Um, you know, for reading. I might just grab those mastered cards maybe as when I take a break, let's say, let's review, you know, the last 10 or 20 lessons and let's just make sure these are still mastered. Mm -hmm. You know, I might do that depending on the child. Some kids really don't need a lot of practice and review. And then some kids, it's confidence building.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: I really go based on, you know, what the child in front of me, because, you know, ultimately, curriculum is a tool, and we're teaching children. And mm-hmm. so we want to think about what what does this child need? And it's not always an easy process to figure out, but um, I think it's worthwhile to try mm-hmm. to assess that.
1: I think that's a great way to, event, yeah. to end this uh, This every kid, every
0: kid is different and you go, they yeah. go at different speeds and good luck.
1: And we need to <laughs> spend time assessing. Thank you so much. This has been so helpful for us. And just, that's we know cool. a lot of folks are curious about reading and uh, we, we all kind of,
0: it's yeah, the unless big, you have it's the, it's the big one it's, it's one of the big yeah, that in math
1: right it's yeah. one of the big ones right and, and unless you have a kid that just and we know some families like this a kid just, just like picks it up her, yeah. and they're like right. oh they were reading at four and they had no problem and they almost didn't need to do anything and then yeah. but most of us i think fall you know somewhere in the middle where we don't have a com- you know complete always challenge with reading but it isn't an easy road it definitely has some well, bumps
0: and it's definitely gotten easier yeah. It's definitely gotten easier as the child you know, matures and they understand that, okay, I got to get this work done. I got to work hard and I get my, you know, do my stuff. It was a lot harder at, at the younger younger years. And I, I really am starting to buy into the, a lot of the the thinking that maybe we should start reading maybe at seven or something like that. Maybe try a little bit older because it, yeah, just developmentally, they're just, sometimes it just mm. didn't feel like she was it's there. To
1: get a kindergartner to yeah. sit, there and, sit there and, you, you know, that. work through something that's doesn't come naturally. Our no. our daughter has yeah. a lot of subjects that come pretty naturally to her, but this one doesn't. Yeah. And so I think that you really kind of hit that that this is the first wall that she hit. Like, oh yeah. I'm gonna have to like climb a little bit here. Yeah. I can't just walk yeah. over this. Yeah. Um, and, and what learning, a good opportunity work, though yeah.
2: for kids to, you know, to be able to help them learn that perseverance. Because, mm-hmm. you know, in life you need perseverance. And <laughs> right, you mm-hmm. know, if everything comes easily for many years and you never hit that wall, I think in some ways, it's harder for that type of person, you know, because they're going to hit a wall eventually. And then, you mm-hmm. know, are they going to have the resources they need to really persevere through? So.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mary, so much for joining us and talking about all about reading and everything. This was wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Oh,
2: well, thank you so much for
1: having me. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!